Welcome to Women Travel, a podcast about places women have been and the things they did there. Even though there's not a lot of travel happening right now, there's no reason to stop thinking about the impact that travel has. And with me today is Katie Williams. How are you doing, Katie? Hi, good. How are you? Doing well. Now, can I tell you about a game? Yes. So something that I've started doing, well, this actually started about a month ago. A coworker of mine found the John Hopkins interactive map on the coronavirus spread, and he became obsessed with it, like constantly checking it. And it got me inspired to look at Google Maps in particular. And so he would be doing his thing and watching the disease spread, and then I would be looking at, I don't know, Barcelona. Or I got really into looking at Peru for like a few hours. And last week, sitting at home, I did the same thing. I called a friend and we played Dream Adventure, where we started at one place and then went to another place, kind of making a north to south loop. For example, it was Montenegro and Amsterdam. Have you been able to make any good connections like that this week? (laughs) The answer is no. (laughs) So, and it was kind of got me thinking about maps in general. Back in the day when we were finishing up recording a few weeks ago, the studio owner, Pat, got to talking about maps and it's kind of just stayed on in my mind as something that as travelers, we don't necessarily think about as something pertinent to discussion. I guess maps in general, you're right. Like people don't really discuss, they just discuss where, where are you going? And no one anymore talks about how to actually get there. Cause they just assume that you type it into the Google maps. I feel like sometimes my grandparents will be like, take a left here and take a right here. And I just zone out because I already know that I'm just going to type it into my Google Maps. Anyway. Oh my God. I absolutely did that when my grandma was in town and I was driving her. And the whole time she's like, oh, we're going to miss the, the turn off on the interstate and that kind of stuff. And I was like, no, it's on the map. Like we've got a mile. It's fine. And it was that exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel about maps. Yeah, so I I guess in regards to, so what Pat was talking about was when he moved to a place, he would uh, look at the map and learn the main arteries. Did you ever find yourself doing that when you lived in California or in Idaho? So that's a good question. I am really, really bad at directions, like really bad. So it's kind of hilarious that I'm on this podcast with you because I have, (laughs) I've navigated like a lot of places in the world myself because I solo traveled, but I am so bad at direction. So when I moved to San Francisco, I tried to memorize the grid of the streets that were running the same way, just because that's kind of the area I lived in. And my friend, when I first moved there, she could rattle them all off like really quickly. Um, But in terms of getting around, I sadly used maps up until I left living there. So I lived there for five years and I still used Google Maps because that's how bad of directions I am. So I'm very grateful for them. Um, but yeah, moving to the city kind of changed it. And still here in Boise, um, what Pat was saying was so interesting because he said that he knows where all the cross streets and stuff. And I was like, wow, I really should do that because I haven't, I haven't done that yet in Boise. And I live downtown and I know the streets downtown pretty well. But when you, when it comes to anywhere else in Boise, people will say, Oh, I live off of you stick and blah, blah. And I'm like, no idea, but I just nod my head. And act like <laughs> I, I know. There's a certain, like there are certain roads that like someone will say five mile and immediately I'll think of like a country house that's like, you know, out in some fields. Right. 
exactly. That's not what Five Mile is anymore, but that's what I always think of. Yeah, I agree. Same. Did you, when you were in San Francisco, so I found myself having like abstract um, general locations so like this area of north hollywood would also be the 134 um and you don't go there at 3 p.m or anytime after 5 p.m um and you just take a different route and so it was that kind of thing where an area was to me defined by how bad its traffic was Mm, interesting yeah particularly the south half of the five was not like not approachable at all in the evening like you would do everything possible to avoid that area after I don't know 4 p.m right totally that was kind of similar in San Francisco especially just obviously rush hour but San Francisco is only seven miles by seven miles so they always say the seven by seven so weirdly it's a short it's a small city but it's so compact um, so it would get pretty congested down in the financial district and then coming in from the South Bay. I worked down there for a few years. And so, yeah, we would try to leave work as early as possible. And if you didn't mm. catch that early train then you were or the early train in terms of driving, then you were stuck to stay there till like seven or eight at night because it's mm. so bad. But, but yeah, I now that I live here in Boise, I haven't had to really deal with any bad traffic. Even though people that live here say the traffic's bad, I do not agree. <laughs> Quick digression. I didn't know that San Francisco was 7x7. Seven seven. Is that caused by geography or, or what? How is it 7 miles by 7 miles? I, it's just 7 across and 7 to top and bottom, like north, south, east, west, I'm pretty sure. Huh. Um, huh. In terms of the actual size of the city. But then when obviously there's all the little cities that surround it too. But um, just the actual city itself of San Francisco is 7 by 7 Got so. it. So like the municipal zoning is like, this is it. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Hmm. I didn't know that. So you taught yeah. me something. Do you want to learn something in exchange? I do. <laughs> so we're going to, I find that it's always best to look at things at their origin and then kind of pull it into the future. Do you know where the oldest known map is from? No idea. <laughs> so it's, it's admittedly hard to point at something exactly and say this is the oldest, but there were a few guesses from, I love this website title, uh, theoldest.org. It's just nice. so appropriate. <laughs> Um, and so potentially the oldest map would be the Babylonian map of the world. It's a stone carving um, that has a circular ring around it. And that's kind of, I guess, interpreted as the world. There's the Euphrates River in the center and then the city of Babylon and a few other cities around it. So that kind of gives us like a potential template for what maps are. The mm-hmm. other possible map, oldest map in the world, was carved into a mammoth tusk. It had the landscape, had of, the Pavlov, landscape of Pavlov, Austria, Austria uh, and it was potentially uh, used, was as, potentially a used as a hunting map. Cool. Yeah. I said it's kind of sad if that tusk was taken out to make the mask, but I'm hoping not. Map, hmm. not mask. That's a... I mean, it's so you long know, ago, though. So times were different exactly. back in those days. <laughs> exactly. But what's, what's interesting to me, particularly about the history of this map, is uh, it has markings of this river and clay slopes. However, the slopes were used to make a brick kiln in the 20th century. So the map, assuming it is actually what people interpret it to be, it's more of a means of preserving what a place looked like 
a long, long time ago and how it has changed. And it's really that point where humans reach for what is seen and how time has an effect on it uh, before we had photographs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. what's to interrupt you, what's really cool is I actually have a map that hanging in my house and it's I didn't realize that it was an older map. So I've and I stick pins in it for places I've been. And it's just crazy how much it's changed, like how a lot of some of the countries um, are just completely different names or have different sizes or completely broken up. And it's crazy how it changes over the years. Absolutely. I used to have a 1965 uh, world map that had, well, it had Soviet Russia on it. Yeah, I think this one has mine does too. And it's still still got like... um, (laughs) Yugoslavia is still a country on there, and yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool, though. So, Very cool. I think it ruined my ability to learn geographic states, but, <laughs> but still very cool. <laughs> no, totally. So, poetics aside, honorable mention goes to Anaximander, who was part of the ancient Greek echelon, and he created a map with Europe, bits of Africa, and Asia. It's possible that because of that particular map, um, there's a river or like a line separating Europe and Asia. And because of that, it's probable that that's why we consider them two continents. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's actually because it's totally just something manufactured in a map and that created our reality today. How interesting. I had no idea that was the case. It's kind of funny um, that you were, like, just talking about maps and how they are today. Because, like, for example, Australia, when you place Australia on top of the U.S. Like, okay, basically, my whole life I thought Australia was this, like, smaller island. Not small, but, like, smaller than the U.S. Like, way smaller. Yeah. Maybe half yeah. the size. But then when I met all these Australians during my travels, they're like, no, Australia is huge. If you place it on top of the United States, it's basically the same size. And I was like, you're kidding me. And then I looked it up. And if you see Australia and U.S. stacked on top, it's true. Like the land masses, it's so large. I had ne- I never had any. I did not know that, which I thought I was Now it's cool. got me thinking, like, what if the U.S. were only five states? Yeah. Would Texas still, still be its own state? its own state. Right. Well, it's kind of crazy because the whole, like, western side used to just be, was not blocked off, I yeah. guess. And it's kind of crazy how Idaho became um, a state, too. Just, like, it used to have part of Oregon in it and then, and parts of Montana, I think, and then it kind of just, like, dwindled down. <laughs> um, but, Yeah. It's crazy how the state lines are made, I think too. growing up, I thought that Idaho was all of the bits that the other states didn't want. Yeah, except for it's not. Well, it might have <laughs> been, but, you know, yeah, it's prettier. It's so. definitely pretty. It's, yeah, I like to think of it more as, like, that, like, perfect slice of pie instead yeah. of eating too much pie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and just the history and culture of maps, um, of course I can't get to all of it today, but there is a lot to how maps do create how we see the world. Um, a lot of it, a lot of old time maps have, um, 
fantasy depictions or fantastical places. I can't remember the name of it now, but there's a place where King Arthur, Avalon, there we go, the island of Avalon is where King Arthur supposedly, you know, died or went to heaven or whatever. And so old maps used to have Avalon on it. It was across the sea. And um, and then it became more of a thing during the Renaissance period uh, to, to have less of the fantastical and more of the uh, economic motivated maps. So in the 16-1700s, actually Africa was the center of most maps because it was the center of the world economically. Interesting. I had no idea. Why is that? I wonder. Uh, colonialism? Oh yeah, or... that, would, that would make sense. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I think it was a lot of maritime and um, exploration going into Africa. And so the more you could build on that information, the more that you could gain from it for crown and country. Interesting. Yeah. Makes sense. Africa is one of those things that I would love to touch on in the future as a discussion. Um, but I feel like I need to learn a lot more about it. I mean, there's so many countries there and there's so many yeah. like different cultures in every country. Um, yep. I've been to three countries in Africa, and each one is, like, so crazily different that I know we, as Americans, kind of group Africa in as, like, one whole big country, but it's, like, so wild how each one is so different. It's all, like, I know in the U.S., like, all of our states, we all, we're obviously all pretty similar, but even if you go into this, you go to the deep south, compare it to like here in Idaho, or even compare it to like Oregon and Washington, they're so different. Oh my God. It's crazy. Like you compare, I don't know, Louisiana and uh, Washington, you would get some very, very different people. Yeah. It's crazy how distance can like do that to people, make them so different. Yeah. I, I, hmm. Whenever that conversation gets uh, struck up about, like, the what makes a state unique and that kind of stuff, I'm like, yeah, but they still got the same houses. Like, it's, it's true. always such an interesting thing to me how, how to balance, like, celebrating differences and also, like, celebrating that makes what makes people the same at their cores. And I mm-hmm. think the states are, like, a really good example of how that balance is always teetering. Totally. Yeah, that's a really good point. Anyway, travel's important. <laughs> it is. Yay. <laughs> so moving forward uh, with innovation, the future of maps. Let's talk about uh, apps for traveling, because that seems like your kind of wheelhouse. Totally. So basically, while I was traveling for a year and a half, I traveled solo. I and like I said before, I have really terrible directional sense. Um, I do not know where north is or south or any of that. It's, like, pretty pathetic, honestly. I don't know why I never learned. So even, I guess, landmarks or geographical markings, do they help you at all? Nope. (laughs) I mean, I know where north, south, east, west is here in Boise where I live, but if I'm Mm -hmm. in a new place, no way. And that's, I know some people who are just so good at this, like, they'll be in a place and they'll be like, oh, that's north. I'm like, how do you know that? Like, literally, how do you know that? Is it a sense? Is it, did you research this beforehand? Like, I never know how people know think this. of, like, maritime, you know, sailors and how they have, like, well, the sun's this way, so that's way north. And I'm like, what? 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Right. My dad is really good at it. He'll be like, oh, it, that's north. And I'm like, okay, but why? And he just, like, knows because of the sun and the moon or whatever. I'm like, okay, I don't even want to get into that right now. I'm just going to use I'm just imagining someone deadpan turning to you and just being like, the stars are telling me. <laughs> the worst for me is when someone says, turn, go northeast. I'm like, honey, I don't know where that is. <laughs> Tell me, do I go right or do I take a left? Like, that's pretty much all I can do right now. So... Um, so apps for traveling were pretty important for me. Some of my favorite, uh, maps, Google maps obviously was one of my favorites. Um, I didn't travel with Wi-Fi very like, so basically I don't know if this is what you do, but when I've traveled, um, I usually will just, I don't have an international plan on my phone, so I'll just take my phone, but then only use it when I have Wi-Fi. Um, and some people think that's really scary, but I actually found it to be pretty effective because most places I did stay had Wi-Fi or cafes or whatever. And sometimes I would get in a bind and I wouldn't have it. But, um, my, the key on Google maps when you're traveling internationally and you don't have Wi-Fi on your phone is to download the map of the location that you're, you are in before you leave the Wi-Fi. So Sometimes I would forget to do that. But, like, let's say you're in Vietnam, in Hanoi, and you it's a big city, and you before you leave your hotel or hostel, you download the Hanoi app. And then you'll be – literally, your little dot, your blue dot, will be able to follow you around everywhere you go, which is awesome. And I usually – another thing I do is – in Google Maps, and I still, I even do this in Boise too, but I'll save locations. So like, let's say there's monuments or there's restaurants or there's whatever I want to see. I'll save them to the Google Map and then those, then I'll see my little blue dot and be like, oh, I'm close to this little restaurant I wanted to see or I'm close to this museum that I wanted to see um, and I can just go to it that way. It's almost like a little walking tour that I can make myself. Another app that I really liked is City Mapper. Um, I didn't use it a ton, but it's good for if you're in a big city and you're trying to navigate around because they already have like built-in things that you will want to see ahead of time. And I believe you can download those for offline as well. Um, so that's called City Mapper. And then another one, Maps.me, that one is pretty good. Also, it's kind of like Google Maps, but not as robust. But everything can be downloaded offline, and it had a lot more, like, smaller towns on there and, like, weird hiking, hikes and bike routes and stuff. So that was kind of mm -hmm. more of my go-to when I was in a little bit of an off-the-beaten-path type place. I like that especially it... for the hiking, because, like, I constantly am looking for trails or kind of something like that. and Or just, like, I'll pass a place and be like, is that a trail or is that someone's farm? Right. Yeah. I, so that's... I don't, I haven't used it in the U S honestly, but yeah, I think it, while I was traveling, it was cool. Good. I just say more trail maps. That's what I want. Exactly. <laughs> uh, there's probably yeah. some good apps for trails actually that I haven't. I've tried all trails and that's pretty good. It's not, it's, it's, um, user input. So hypothetically, if a trail gets closed, um, because something passed in the uh, city that wasn't passed before or the state it won't update itself it pretty much relies on the people who go to those trails to update the information so i like it all trails has but it really just depends on who's commenting and how i guess um good they are at describing things right 
Exactly. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Like there is there's one trail where the person just described like what their dogs did the whole time. And I just remember being like, well, that sounds just that's just <laughs> great and wholesome. But I have no idea whether I can take my little, you know, Toyota Camry up there or not. So Exactly. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so Another one that I'm sure a lot of you know is Waze, um, and that's mainly for driving, I think. I, I usually only use that when I'm driving um, or while I was driving abroad, and I don't use it now, but people really seem to like it um, because it tells you when there's roadblocks and obstacles mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think it's still going on. I think it's still an app that you can use. Sorry. Uh, I think it's still an app. I think I didn't love Waze. Um, but the people who did like really liked it. Okay. That's exactly what I think. It's like you either love it or you're like, what? Cause I couldn't figure out the interface it took me forever. I thought the interface was more dangerous than the actual driving. Cause I was like, why is there all this stuff going on? I just want to see the road. And it tells you like, oh, there's a cop. I guess if you're really trying to avoid the police, <laughs> might be a good one. <laughs> or if you just are, you know, in it for the thrill of the chase then uh that's for you yeah and now like all the lyft and uber drivers have these their own like systems that they use and Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like not important for me well living here especially i'm like whatever it takes two seconds to get everywhere i don't need to know if there's all this crazy stuff happening on the road Um, yeah but i guess if you're doing like long road trips it might be i have to say i guess okay one time i was running late to go to the airport and it would have been nice to use an app like Waze instead of Google because uh, there was a 5K and part of the 5K went through like a main um, road. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it slowed us down like 20 minutes. And so I was 15 minutes late to the gate and it worked out, but it was horrible. Yeah, um, no, that's a good that's a good point. So so then there are good point ways to use Waze. <laughs> yeah so Waze was and so another one of the apps that I really loved and this isn't necessarily a map but it's called Rome to Rio Mm -hmm. and it basically tells you like you type in let's say you're in Berlin Germany and you want to go to Athens Greece you type in both of those locations and it'll tell you the best way to get there the cheapest and the fastest whether it's a bus that connects to a train or you have to take a boat or a train or a plane, you know, it's pretty awesome. And you can also do it for shorter locations too, but I used it all the time. And my instance might be strange cause I was traveling all over the place. But, um, if you're trying to even just look, let's say you're, you're taking a trip to Italy and you want to figure out the best route to get from Rome, Rome to Naples or something. Um, it's a great resource cause it'll tell you what trains to get on and how much it's going to cost. And you can book everything through wow. the app. Um, I use, I used it through desktop and on the app, but I loved it. That was one of my favorite like travel tools just because it, and it, it, I never had an issue with it. Like it never messed up the location or anything. It was usually really accurate on um, the the types of transportation. And it it a lot of times um, changed the basically like if I was in another country and I couldn't understand their local um, train station website, 
a lot of times this would make it really easy and translate it. So that was kind of nice. That's, yeah, that sounds great. It also, this whole time as you're describing it, I was like, that's literally the game that I was playing on Google Maps, but like made real. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's like, a real, okay, cool. I'm definitely going to play with that a little bit after. Yeah, let me know what you think. It's. I hope that it's still like a big deal because I was using it mainly in like 20... 17 um mm-hmm. to 18 but i think it's still out there and like actually that's a lie i just used it when i was in um germany so yeah we're good there you go should still be going <laughs> so yeah those are kind of my like biggest apps that i love um for traveling and kind of basically google maps essentially was like my savior while i was traveling so Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm thankful for maps. Thankful that we don't have to print out where we're going anymore, like map quests or whatever those were back in the day. Then you have to wait for the dial-up, and then you have to plug in the printer, and then you plugged in the printer wrong. wrong so printers, you have to do that I could again, go do a whole you... podcast on how much I hate printers. So I don't even <laughs> want to get into that right now. But I've never had a printer that worked, so you know, there's always no. an issue. Um, but I know, okay. So I know we wanted to also talk about kind of like local maps and stuff, um, (laughs) when you are traveling. Uh, so a lot of visitor centers have maps and that's a place that I would go to get if I wanted a physical map. Cause I know a lot of people do like the physical maps for me. (laughs) It's not as great because it's hard for me to know where I am on that map. I can say, Oh, there's a great, uh, monument I want to see I want to see that castle but like where am I right now but it was great like um I would stay in hostels a lot and still sometimes do or hotels and they're asking the people that work there oh they always give you a map and can like circle their favorite restaurants and stuff um weirdly I found that people that work in hostels are more inclined to tell you like more truthful like honest answers of where to eat and where to go and hotels they often refer their guests to like certain restaurants to get commission and stuff so just a yes. side note um in case that you're was, getting recommendations that was totally something i've noticed where yeah most hotels will be like okay you should go to like our partner restaurant and it's like okay cool no i will definitely not go there and Something that I have a I enjoy getting is the little maps that are like, um, gosh, the more cartoony the better. As far as I'm concerned about like local maps, like if it looks like someone just really went to town um, on their graphic design. <laughs> I know exactly um, what you're talking about. I love those too. <laughs> you're like that's a castle because it looks like a castle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I will always take one of those maps because they have. Yes, they have, like, the whatever all the tourists are doing, but they also typically have something that's, like, uh, like historic or just kind of, like, weird. Like, hey, maybe you want to check out the wonky, uh, wonky castle in the corner. And I'm like, yes, that is the place that I want to be at. Uh, yeah, totally. so I like the silly things like that when they're on maps or when someone tells me about them. Yeah, I agree. I like when they have cool graphics and they're kind of, like, crazy um and you're like I didn't even read about this castle or this place but it looks pretty cool on this map so I might as well go check it out um another place that I get maps a lot well I don't get maps from there but blogs are great options 
um, atypical options, basically. Because um, some, sometimes these blog posts, like travel bloggers, they include itineraries and maps. Um, I, on my personal blog, which is travelingspud.com, that's a plug, by the way. <laughs> um, I it. <laughs> and I know a lot of other bloggers do this too, but like great place to find itineraries of other people that have done the, maybe the trip that you're doing and um, you can maybe find out what struggles they might have had or places that they wouldn't recommend going back to and great itinerary kind of and adding maps or road trips and stuff like that. Um, so I like to look at blogs and then um, also Pinterest has great options. I, I go on Pinterest all the time to plan my trips. If you haven't used Pinterest for trip planning, highly, highly recommend just because it is like the best tool. You just type in anywhere that you want to go and it, there's like a million tips and tricks and things to pack and everything and maps. So check check Pinterest out. That's a plug for <laughs> Pinterest because I love it so much. Um yeah, do you use Pinterest? Um, I do. I use it mostly for food. I got frustrated with the travel aspect because a lot of it was stuff that... How do I explain that? It was stuff that was maybe more posh than what I typically go for. Like, there just wasn't a ton of, like, more nature-oriented stuff. And so, like, yeah, if I want to find a spot in Maui or, like, have a really glam day, then then I would go to Pinterest. But if I wanted to, like, although it is growing with more pins or boards about backpacking and, and camping and that kind of stuff. So I will say that it's getting better. It was just, like, a couple of years ago I remember being very frustrated because I was like, okay, this is nice and all, but this is not what I want from travel. Yeah. yeah, I think it has grown a ton. I mean, mm-hmm. I know there's mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot of, like, luxury travel bloggers out there, and they're starting to become more and more that people just, like, living this glam lifestyle that's not real, realistic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think there's starting to become more uh, boards and stuff for for camp. Yeah, what do you call that on Pinterest? It's like um, links. There's more collages. <laughs> They're just called pins, and you pin them to the yeah. boards. Okay. I was maybe being facetious. Oh. <laughs> hey, this is Morgan with some quick announcements. I hope you're doing okay. At this point in the audio, we kind of had a technical difficulty and dropped out a few sentences. So we're going to pop back up with a new story and kind of in a different direction. Thanks for listening and if you want to support the show if you're able to i am on patreon.com if you want to buy a coffee or something that'd be great at women travel women spelled with a y really it just means the most to me that you're listening and i hope this is entertaining and an enjoyable distraction for you right now okay back to the show we drove in a camper van and we got we bought an actual physical map and I can't drive a stick shift, so she did it the whole time. And so I was the oh. map person. And a lot of times we didn't have service when we were, like, out in the boonies. So um, using an actual physical map was a great option for those um, road trips. And without it, we would have been totally screwed. So How did you find north? Exactly. Who knows how I found it. 
I actually don't remember how I did any of that. I oh, I mean, I, I think I have moved, used my Compass app on my phone. Have you ever used that I before? I love that. I'm, now I'm looking at my phone to see if I even have it anymore because that's kind of legit. I forgot that that was a thing. Um, I might have, I might not have it anymore, but yeah. So if you're ever lost like that, use the Compass app. And I think it's on yeah. everyone's phone. Oh, yeah. It's on everybody's phone. Compass. There you go. It's just on there? Yeah. i got to see if, if I If you have, have an it. iPhone, I guess. It's right there. Compass is called. And right mm. now, I am facing northeast. So that's cool. Okay. I don't have a compass. Android loses in this particular game. They might be able to, you might have the app or something. But. <laughs> um, oh, another thing I wanted to mention, too, is... There's really great maps inside of these travel books like Rick Steves and Lonely Planet, and those are really helpful as well. And a lot, I didn't travel while I was gone forever um, with a book, with a huge book for every country, because that would have just mm -hmm. been annoying. But there were lots of books in all the hostels and stuff, and I would take them and use those for when I was in that country. I love the Rick Steves books because um, he actually does have like little pocket books and um, when I was 18 I went to Europe for a couple of weeks with some friends and the like used it for the hotels used it for like funny little locations they do have that you know silly kind of cartoony maps sometimes while also being very accurate and I just uh, I don't know if you ever watched the old Rick Steves I think they were on PBS, the shows that he had. I don't think I've ever seen those. He is delightfully joyful. And personally, I think he should be part of the whole like Rogers and Bob Ross kind of lineup. I said, love that. That's awesome. He just, <laughs> yeah. um, so he's like this dorky, I don't know, dorky guy in cargo shorts who's really cares about the history and the culture of a place. And he pretty much created the foundation for Anthony Bourdain when he goes and like talks to people about what their lives are like when they're, you know, in a different country. I, f I feel like Rick Steves kind of set the foundation for like, this is how you do a travel show. And then Anthony Bourdain just, like, added his little spice badassery to it. Totally. I agree. One of my other favorites is Samantha Brown. I haven't watched one of her shows in forever, but I, she's got my dream job right there. Yes, absolutely. I like, uh, yeah, I, call me biased, but I like shows where people are interviewed about their lives. Uh <laughs> yeah, same. So that's kind of all that I have on the, the apps and stuff and like the other maps. I know you had a little story about you and your mom driving in LA. Yes. So I think that was in 2015 we were driving and I was co-piloting and um, especially with those road atlases that you can pretty much just get at gas stations. Um, they have a lot of national parks on them. So I'm just gonna, uh, rant for a second. Uh, I really get frustrated with Google maps because yes, it will get you from A to B very like quickly or probably just efficiently, but I have a horrible time finding local places like local places to eat. Um, it's not good at all of depicting small towns because um, you just see like a couple of dots and you're like oh okay cool that was McCall and it didn't have any like sites of interest or that kind of stuff. Google just doesn't have the consistency of a map that I want. It Again it'll get you from point A to point B but it won't help you have or won't improve the journey itself. Yeah so I agree. 
on long road trips, um, when my mom and I were driving to LA, I actually, in planning the trip, went through an old uh, roadmap and found that there was, let's see, uh, figured out a way for us to kind of, within reason, get over to the Great Lake, or not the Great Lakes, the Salt Lakes, near Salt Lake City. Um, And then also, we found a point to stay that was near Kalab Canyon, which is part of Zion National Park. And what you can do is drive, it's a beautiful drive through this canyon, and then you get all the way up to the top of a mountain. And because we had like the physical map in conjunction in conjunction with Google Maps, we were able to find a hotel to stay, you know, the night before. And then the next day we woke up really early at like, like 5am to get over there. And then we found out that the gate, the uh, park was closed until eight. So we had to wait. It was like really frustrating. But after that, it was really gorgeous. And it is probably one of my favorite trips that I've like road trips I've ever had, because we're able to stop and to really explore Southwest United States. And I can't say that I've ever done that. And I didn't really do that again uh, when I was driving from California to Montana a couple years later. I feel like that could be a whole nother podcast is road trips because I freaking love them and I wish I did more and I have a bunch on my bucket list, (sighs) but you need a map for that. Yeah. Well, we might, we might get there, but I've been, um, I did a route 66 puzzle. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. It life's super exciting. I did a puzzle. That's how exciting it's been. Um, (laughs) And it actually got me really curious about that because um, there's a lot of interesting like layers to the history there. And so because um, I've had so much free time to think about it, I've been like, that might be a good road trip. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it would. That'd be cool. Do you want to do a road trip and a podcast? Like a podcast road trip? Oh, yeah. Something? There you go. <laughs> when we're free from leaving our homes. so just kind of wrapping up do you have any other thoughts final things that come to mind just when you are traveling just try some of these new apps and see what you think i would love to hear if any of them are useful my instagram is at traveling spud traveling with one l and s-p-u-d uh we're gonna i'm gonna put the websites that you referenced in the show notes so that'll be available if anyone wants to look those up uh, so you don't have to scroll through and find that again next time we're going to talk about planning ahead and how now is the best time to dream ahead and big or small make your trips happen let's try to remain hopeful healthy and reach out as best as we can thanks for listening and thank you katie for joining me thank you so much for having me